What's going on, folks? Welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and hopefully one day a true proletarian revolution. Um, But until that day comes, I want to say thank you for stopping by. This is your first time stopping by. If you would do me a favor, please give me a follow on all my social media. Uh, You can find me on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And I ask that solely just because it helps me honestly reach more people. The more followers I have, the more likely people are to follow me. And therefore, that's the more people I can reach out to. Another way, if you'd like... Um, if you, you know, you're coming back and you enjoy the show enough to listen to me again, um, then I would like to ask you, if you don't mind, to please go on to Apple Podcasts. And I've learned that this is specifically, so if you go Apple Podcasts and then you do five stars and you leave a comment under my uh, podcast, it like jumps me so far forward in the algorithm. Every time that happens, I usually end up with at least five or six more um, views on my, you know, upcoming post. Um, So it really helps a lot. I get about 30 or so listens from these episodes, which is awesome because when I first started doing uh, the show, I like, I mean, some, most of my blogs get zero views. Um, but a lot of my podcasts used to get like one or two views. So like, thank you all. Um, but if you feel so inclined, this would help me reach more people, which is obviously the goal of this. Um, so I'd like to start off this episode by saying that I know nothing. Um, most of us know nothing. Um, because a lot of us what it is that we know, what it is we believe to be true, what ideology, beliefs, morals, and ethics uh, that we carry forward are not always, or at least not often, based on our own um, perceptions or based on our own comprehension. Not always. Now, that's not to say that no one gets to that point. Most people who begin talking and critiquing the system as it is begin thinking that way. But for the most of us who, you know, were born in the last whatever, 50 years, and just have existed in the world, haven't had the opportunity, the ability, or the want to go against the system, you know, you have your nine-to-five You have your little, you know, house in the suburbs. You have your, um, you know, maybe your kid, maybe your pets, maybe a partner. um, And you're, you know, you're not doing fantastic because most of us aren't doing fantastic. Like, side note, the amount of people who we consider rich, first and foremost, are not always as rich as we think they are. Secondly, the people who are super fucking rich, who own, like, the weapons manufacturing companies, the IMF and corporations and banking firms like that, there's even fewer of those motherfuckers. So the majority of us are not ruling class. The majority of us are not killing it financially. 
But, you know, you might be well enough off that you can make bills every month and have a little money. You might get a little vacation every few months that, you know, reminds you that you are a human being. Uh, And that might be enough for some people. It's very difficult, honestly, to unplug from the system. Uh, It's very difficult to unplug from previously held ideology and beliefs. Um, Some of you might not know, if you haven't been listening to the show for a while, I actually grew up um, in a very conservative, very evangelical Protestant household. Growing up in that environment and having my world completely shaped by the church, completely shaped by my parents, uh, and having that reality also kind of um, wrapped up in bubble wrap because, you know, for example, my mom didn't allow me to go to my friend's house. Uh, She didn't allow me to have any friends over except for my two friends from church. I wasn't really capable of, you know, a lot of kids have stories like, oh yeah, we used to, every so often, we'd get in the car and we'd go down to the park or to the mall and we'd walk around together. Like, that shit never happened for me. Uh, The majority of the time I was with my family, who I do not get along with. Um, I was also adopted, so I always had... um, black sheep material and then once I got to be like mm, probably like once I hit double digits um, I kind of hated my parents (laughs) for good reason obviously Um, but so like basically everything they would tell me I'd be like this is bullshit and I'd just go against it cool you know kid teenager things but what that first led me to is realizing that I've never believed in God. Now, that doesn't mean that nobody should. That doesn't mean that God isn't real. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in any gods. I don't believe in intelligent design. I don't believe in most mysticism. Um, Ever since I was a kid, because of, you know, basically, and, you know, side note, my parents don't even understand this now. I don't believe anything that I can't prove because my whole life I was told God was real and that all this shit was happening because sin is in the world and you know people are evil and that's human nature so we have to read our bible and pray and go to church on Sunday so that when white Jesus because obviously a man who was born in West Asia uh in Bethlehem uh would definitely be pale skinned uh, 100%, um, (laughs) but, you know, that Jesus is gonna come back, we're gonna have the apocalypse, all the believers are gonna go up to heaven, all the, uh, non-believers are gonna be stuck here for seven years of hell on earth, um, well, when a new heaven and a new hell are made, and, uh, then all of them are subsumed into hell, uh, for simply having not believed in a God, which, my whole life, uh, growing up in the church and all that, uh, could never be proven to, uh, exist. So having that be told to me and then having nothing in reality line up to that, 
nor any ability to like actually materially show me like why these things are true. Here's why I'm spending all of my time talking to you about God is because boom, here's him. He he's real. Like that shit obviously never happened. So, I don't trust information at all until I can concretely either understand and comprehend its theoretical like truth um, or I can concretely see evidence or create evidence right through studies and things like that so from a very young age I didn't really get along with my family because I didn't believe in God the second thing that really started breaking down my ideology, um, I, re- <laughs> I really, really, really liked doing drugs. <laughs> I still really like doing drugs. Um, I just don't do them anymore. Uh, so when I was in my freshman year of high school, uh, I hung out with a lot of kids who also liked to do drugs. And when we would do drugs, we would have conversations about everything under the sun. Now, a lot of the kids I kind of grew up around, they were like the stoner kids and like the acid kids. So like, they were real hippies. So a lot of their understanding of the world was like, man, people just don't love each other. And like, yeah, you're right. People don't love each other and that needs to change. We need to recognize that what it is to be human, and I was even talking to my partner about this last night, what it is to be human is to be able to have such great and awful experiences at once with so many different people throughout your life and being able to connect in those moments with people, to be able to like learn about yourself because a conversation you have with a loved one or to be able to learn about a loved one because of a conversation you had with them that is one of those moments where it feels like you're a human being when you start talking about your interpersonal feelings when you start talking about the structural issues in the world and relating them not to a moralistic uh analysis like uh the evangelicals or other, you know, religions might do by saying that, you know, human beings are simply evil, they're full of sin, and therefore this is human nature, things will always go wrong, there will always be suffering. But having conversations with people who recognize, like, no, this shit is fucked up because a group of people have their interests being served, and they are the ones with the most wealth, and they are the ones with the most military power. So therefore until we do something about this, it's going to keep up like that. But having conversations that kind of frame it in a way that make you realize that this isn't some inevitable doom and capitalism is not truly the end of history, um, or at least is not inevitable to be so. Uh, These conversations, yo, I know a lot of you have probably had these with loved ones, um, with people who like, you know, you can have great conversations with, and it feels very humanizing. You're like, this is a human being who has different thoughts than me, who lives a different life than me, and yet we can sit down, have a smoke, 
and talk about shit like this. Because, yo, that's, that's what I love doing with my friends. I love sitting down, smoking some weed. Maybe, you know, I, I don't drink. But, like, just getting into an environment where you're, like, just fucking hanging out. Um, you're calm, you're relaxed, and you're just able to speak freely. Like, that is such a great experience to have. And I hope people have the ability to have those experiences in their life because it does remind you again we are human we're not just machines meant to go to work and go to sleep Um, we're human beings who deserve to live a life with love however the analysis that either first and foremost the world is so evil that it can never get better or the world is evil simply because people do not love each other and trying to solve the world's issues from that kind of point of origin. Uh, Our concrete analysis of the situation is what ultimately will lead us towards concrete solutions. But we we began the episode by talking about the fact that most of us don't know anything because a lot of our beliefs are not shaped by ourselves. What I mean by this is most of us were born into a world where we didn't really get to decide for ourselves how shit was going to go, right? Like, for myself at 16, I had to get a job because I had a partner I wanted to see twice or three times a week and that meant that I had to get a car and that meant I had to put gas in that car um I also although you know I definitely can say I did grow up privileged in America the childhood that I had meaning the fact that I had food on a plate in front of me three times a day the fact that I had clothes on my back The fact that I had shoes, the fact that I had, you know, all my immunizations, I had all the medicine in the cabinet I could ever need. I had a house with a cabinet in it. Um, My parents, you know, both worked, so we were well off. Um, That is until 2008, but even still, from that point on, we weren't poor. Um, There's no one in my family uh, right now, other than myself, who is really, like, poor, um, and I'm not even poor, um, I can afford my bills, but the level of freedom that I was given by having, you know, the meals, the clothes, the shelter, versus, for example, like, children in Gaza right now, or children in Afghanistan, where uh, capitalism is creating a situation where ruling elites like uh, the Israeli uh, government and uh, the United States government are not willing to sacrifice possible trade and possible resource extraction for the human uh, 
kind of reality that would tell them, listen, there's people living here. We should stop bombing them. Capitalism creates uh, one goal. Profits. Growth. That cultivated itself into many different empires, but the one that is most hegemonically dominant across the world is the United States. And now that United States constantly needs new markets, it needs new trade partners, it needs new resources, new labor forces. So it participates in a constant war effort to plunder the world Because by doing so, it guarantees itself the ability to have a area to exploit. The Roman Empire did this. The Dutch Empire did this. The British Empire did this. The French Empire. They all did this. Imperialism is what empires do. But the ideology behind that is not always so centered in that way. Uh, We often hear that the United States is or has been in wars for 226 of its 245 years of existence because it is trying to fight for the spread of democracy. Now, um, I don't really know uh, what democracy has ever uh, existed in places like Palestine. I don't know what democracy has existed in places like Afghanistan, when the United States and other ruling class powers have been in charge of their land, been in charge of their resources, been in charge of their markets, been in charge with their international trade. And, you know, some of us might say, well, now that's not, that's crazy. You know, the United States can't really have that much power. Look at what they're doing to places like fucking Iran and uh, Venezuela and Bolivia right now, and Cuba in the middle of one of the world's largest pandemics um, that has killed millions of people, while the world only has less than a 3% vaccination rate, uh, we are putting incredibly uh, crippling sanctions on countries like Iran, who has 180,000 thousand HIV AIDS patients who have not been able to get their medical treatment in five years because of the sanctions that the United States, unilateral sanctions, which are technically against the United Nations code of conduct. And therefore it's even more ridiculous that this is happening. But the fact that the United States during a period of time, like the one we are in right now is willing and able to do this to countries like Venezuela, who now uh, the value of their money doubles on a day-to-day basis. The inflation is incredible to the point where my homie down there, he hasn't been able to get his wife into a doctor's office into get actual medical treatment because they just simply do not have the medical equipment, the medical, uh, uh, yeah, the medical equipment that they need. Um, Now, this is not because, oh, look at what socialism has done to Venezuela. There's still far more doctors to every person in Venezuela than there is here in the United States. And the inequality 
that exists between those of us who here in the United States without health care can't go see a doctor, can't get prescriptions, there is still an affordable option for people in Venezuela. It is just getting worse and more difficult and less affordable because of the inflation that's being caused by the sanctions that the United States is putting on these countries. Now, to sit here and say that this is evil, right? That this is bad. That's an ideology that a lot of us are taught to really use to analyze things. We oftentimes talk about good and bad people. We talk about good and bad capitalism. We talk about good and bad Republicans or Democrats, right? But here's the issue with that analysis. First and foremost, it just has us waiting for the good guys to show up, right? It has us waiting for that Marvel movie moment where, you know, all the, all the bad guys, they're winning. The city's getting taken over. You know, we're all watching as, I don't know, this superhero or that superhero gets beat up by the bad guy. And we're all just sitting there like, what? What do you mean? It's three quarters into the movie and the, the bad guy is winning? Gee, I really wonder what's going to happen next. And then the good guys, they come through and they take down the bad guys and they win. And the good guys are the good guys and the bad guys are in, you know, jail. And that's that. And now the world's saved until the next bad guys come up, right? Because even, you know, a stupid analogy like that can make us understand that there's always more bad guys. And in a system like ours, the bad guys, quote-unquote, are not bad in the sense that they're evil. They're bad in the sense that they do exactly what the system has set up for them to do. One great example of, you know, the exploitation that the wealthy and powerful uh, commit against the working class people was, you know... Remember when we were all talking about, oh, Donald Trump needs to show his tax returns. Okay, in 2016, in the debates between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton pointed this out directly to Donald Trump. You haven't paid your taxes. You know what he basically said? You haven't done anything to make me have to. Because that's the way that this system works. They convince you that someone like Donald Trump, someone like Jeff Bezos, someone like Elon Musk, right? They're evil. They're especially bad for having taken so much wealth, exploited so many people, right? But they didn't build the system. They're a part of it. They plugged into it. They had the money to participate in it, and they became members of the ruling class. But capitalism has been around for 500 years. It has existed in many different forms, but because of its progression, it has allowed for a system to be cultivated where being wealthy and powerful allows you to live a different life than those of the poor and the powerless. If money and power means that someone gets to go and get cancer treatment or COVID treatment, But millions, if not billions, of the rest of the people in the world can never and will never have those treatments because they don't have that wealth, because they don't have that power. That's not Donald Trump's fault. That's not Elon Musk's fault, right? Now, they're complicit in perpetuating that, 
and they are guilty of that and they should not be allowed to continue existing in the way that they do or at all um but this again they didn't build the system that's a worldwide system which like any other system like feudalism like uh early slave societies it's a part of human development it's a part of historical development it's not one person's fault or one country's fault it is a development that builds on itself um that's why capitalism has kind of culminated snowballed into what it is today because it built on each level of exploitation and said let me try to get a little bit more profits here let me try to get a little bit more profits there right and that's not you can't sit here and point fingers at someone and say listen if we just cut off this guy's head or if we tax this corporation right that's it we will take it over we'll be able to fix the problem no that's ridiculous i mean a great example of that is the fact that every few years a decent portion of our government is recycled new people come into power right but how many different presidents congress people representatives senators uh supreme court justices how many of those do we need to have before we realize it's not the people in the position it's the fact that the position exists in the first place the fact that a group of ruling class elites the minority of our population by a fucking incredible margin again the amount of very few people who actually are in power versus the amount of people in the world is incredibly incredibly small. So keep that in mind cuz that might come in <laughs> that's a little fact that might come in handy later. But if this is so, right? If we recognize this system as such, then the problem is the fact that the few the few rule, not the few the few who do rule but the fact that only a few rule. And every few years we see less and less people truly rule. That is capitalism's natural tendency to concentrate its wealth. That's why you have these mergers of massive weapons manufacturing companies. That's why you have these trade deals between, you know, countries which ostensibly have no reason to be allies because their interests are directly in contradiction but they have to concentrate their power because if they don't one of them is not going to be in power anymore and they will not allow that now it's not necessarily in the other group's interest to help the you know their contradictory ruling class But by doing that, you know, we see this with NATO, we see this with the UN. By doing that, they all ensure that they all are going to be at least in more power than the people who aren't sitting at the table. I know that probably was a tangent, but I felt it was important. Our ideology, our understanding of this whole system is completely fucked. It's completely skewed. I mean, the majority of us up until probably right now, including myself in a lot of cases, had a belief that the system will spit something out, right? 
I voted for Bernie Sanders. A lot of people did. I would say in the moment, it was the right response. It was the right choice. Um, For the kind of comprehension I had at the time. Now, did I really think that Bernie Sanders was going to be the ticket? I can't really say. I had faith in the guy. I thought, you know, at one point in time that folks like him, AOC, Rashida Tlaib, those folks, right, that they offered something different. But I think by doing that, we unintentionally apply a moralistic analysis because they are still, even though they are rogue outliers within the system, they are still a part of the ruling class. They are still participating in the practice of being a ruling class. They are still dominating the world. They are still voting on almost every war bill that goes across their desk. They are still participating in giving, you know, billions of dollars to other war criminals like the ruling class in Yemen, like Israel, like all these different countries across the world who, yeah, okay, the United States might not be the ones pointing the guns and killing folks in Afghanistan, in Yemen, in Nepal, in places like that. But first and foremost, we are the reason why they have the guns. We are also usually the reason why nobody else is invading and trying to stop these acts of uh, uh, genocide. We are also usually kind of partnered up with them for the sake of either A, having territory for just bases, because we have uh, military occupation of a majority of the world. That's what having bases is, is colonizing. We're setting up forts all over the world so that we have regional domination. Come on now, guys. Let's, Let's realize what's going on here. But this, you know, again, this cannot be said that, okay, the U.S. is evil. We need to get rid of these bases and allow these people to self-determine. Sure, yeah. Do we need to do that? Totally. But we also have to overthrow capitalism. And we have to realize that the ability for people to truly self-determine will not, all, will not be there in its full effect until capitalism and the ruling classes of the world are overthrown. Because look what happens in places like uh, Colombia, Panama, Mexico, right? Uh, all kinds of countries all across the world, they have these self-determining movements and then they get squashed. They get massacred in El Salvador, right? You had a huge mass movement, uh, I believe, throughout the 80s. Even guerrilla warfare took place, right? And then at one point in time, they took 30,000 communists, socialists, and workers, just fucking massacred them, just killed them. That's what they do. That's why we have to be willing to recognize that it's the whole system, not individuals, that has to be overthrown, completely abolished, smashed, burned, turned to ashes, completely destroyed. Um, If we don't do this, then self-determination can only work to a certain point until the U.S. or another ruling class uh, interests 
becomes evident in that area and then they either overthrow uh, by way of um, just straight up assassination attempts, coups, military juntas, or they'll do, you know, means where they uh, pay exorbitant amounts of money to oppositional parties to run campaigns to uh, get themselves elected. Like uh, in Nicaragua, when um, Daniel Ortega was voted out, uh, that was 100% a sponsored effort by the United States and their uh, intelligence agencies. So we have to overthrow that whole system, right? So essentially, what we have to recognize is there is a clear ideological separation between the reality that exists, where the power is held, uh, how society is kind of organized and continues, um, and how, you know, capitalism is uh, the materialistic base for what leads to certain decisions, certain uh, superstructural developments, such as, you know, certain countries gaining uh, liberal human rights or civil rights, um, certain uh, developments like uh, Medicare for all, things like that. These are used as tools, as manipulators to keep the dominant ideology intact. Um, at least to the extent that people will not rise up and start a revolution. Because as uh, a great book that I just finished reading and I think everybody should read, uh, Capitalist Realism by Mark Fisher points out, is many of us believe that as long as we know that capitalism is inherently bad in our hearts, then it doesn't matter that we still participate in capitalist exchange because obviously, you know, there's nothing that will ever come that's different. So what are we supposed to do? Just die? So we just, you know, kind of uh, reach a point where we just decide we're not actually going to do anything to combat capitalism. We might talk shit about it. We might write a podcast about it. But we're not going to organize. We're not going to try to build any sort of structures that develop a future that will be able to take down capitalism. We just, you know, uh, write about it, talk about it, express our feelings about it. But all in all, believe that nothing can actually come of it. So we don't do anything more. Um, that is another example that the dominant ideology is staying intact. Because even those of us who believe that the system itself is uh, rotten. It is uh, built on a certain interest which does not provide for the many but only the few. We still don't do anything to change that because we have built a self-fulfilling prophecy that nothing can get better because the dominant powers are so strong. So therefore, we shouldn't do anything because nothing can actually change. Boom. Nothing's going to change because we just decided for ourselves that nothing will change because nothing can change. Anyone could have said that thousands of years ago when the slaves began revolting against Roman and Greek empires. So many people said that to the ex-slaves here in the United States who rose up and took power in their own hands, took guns in their own hands and told those white motherfuckers, they said, listen here, for the last five years, you motherfuckers have been twirling your dicks around saying that we're going to be more powerful than you and you're going to be more powerful than us. But here's the deal. If you don't give us our fucking rights, we're going to fucking kill you. That is actually combating the dominant ideology because they had a hope for a tomorrow that was not built on their own oppression. That has to be cultivated. 
By doing nothing, we are reinforcing the system which tells us nothing can be done. My point is not to belittle anyone, by the way. I would like people to know that I too struggle with finding things to try to do to begin combating this dominant ideology. But what I am saying is that when the majority of, of us become kind of solidified in the idea that nothing's going to get better, that the earth is just going to die, we're all doomed, like, that just creates a mentality that creates a self-fulfilling prophecy, which can't really then be organized around. Another great book who kind of hit on this topic, but in a different way, was The Red Deal, where they began discussing the fact that we can't just build movements based off of trauma. And we especially can't organize around individualized trauma. We have to begin cultivating uh, movements which take uh, collective trauma and use them as means to build a collective hope. By doing so, by taking the traumas and the oppression and the exploitation of the masses, showing them where that oppression comes from, organizing them, educating them, propagandizing to the rest of the people saying, listen, look at these folks who are beginning to understand where their oppression comes from. Look at folks who are putting the, the guns, the, the pamphlets, the bullhorns in their own hands, in the, the people's hands, and bringing them to a point where they believe, where they know that this is not the end. This cannot be the end. People who recognize that by saying this is the end, we have decided for ourselves that this is the end. Um, there's many oppressed people all over the world who do incredible things for the mere sake of survival. And that's because although we are told that what human nature is, is actually selfishness, it's greed, it's evil, what is truly Truly, human nature is survival. And if we need to survive, then we need to start doing anything and everything that we can to ensure that not only we survive, because we have done enough building of empires, we have done enough building of secluded and individual power, we have done enough cultivating of ruling class entities, and we've done enough of building societies which only provide for a minuscule minority of the population. We have done that for long enough. Human history is full of societies like this. It is time that we begin to realize that the only society that actually can function in the world we are coming into is one based off of collective power, based off of the use of one another, the connection and solidarity to one another, that is able to then come together and build another society. Because it will take all of us combining our efforts. It will take all of us coming to a point of understanding that although under capitalism, uh, racism is extremely rampant, although under capitalism, the abuse of transgender folks is extremely uh, uh, rampant, uh, that people in the world don't love each other and therefore we have to fix that. That that is not an end in itself. Folks do not just abuse people because they thought it was a good idea. 
Folks abuse people because there are direct interests involved, and by doing so, they are meeting their own interests. Now, cultivating again in a, a world where the dominant ideology is you get yours and you step away from everyone else and you protect yours um, because everyone's greedy, everyone's evil, no one should be trusted. Um, and so therefore we just have to work, work, work until we die so that we can get rich and run away from everybody, right? So the interests that there are cultivated in our minds tell us that if someone is lesser than us or if we perceive someone as lesser than us, that it is our right to act on that. It cultivates a mentality in the mind of the people that it is us against one another. But that does not stem from nowhere. Again, people are not just evil by birth. These mindsets, these mentalities, these interests are cultivated because of a extensive system which extremely benefits from A, the division of the masses where they are not built building together a political weapon uh, that can break down and overthrow the dominant ruling class, but they are also benefiting extremely from the exploitation of the individual groups by the individual groups. When white people exploit and oppress black people, that makes the ruling class so fucking happy. When uh, cis people abuse trans folks, it makes the ruling class so happy. Because guess what? We're fighting with each other. We are fighting with the people who we should be organizing with, who we should be connecting and building with. We are fighting with the people who are sure to help us build a world where the both of us are not oppressed. We need to start cultivating a future, an ideology of the future, where things are not just, it, where it isn't just what it is, where things aren't just that way because that's just how they are, and where people aren't just racist, sexist, transphobic, homophobic bigots because that's how their daddy was, or because we live in a world where uh, black trans people can be killed on a frequent basis, where lynch mobs can still be going through Texas, where indigenous people's land and the, the world's water can still be polluted and controlled and dominated and oppressed in the way that it still is. We have to recognize that there is more here, that there is a class struggle that needs to be waged. We need black folks, white folks, brown folks, immigrants, indigenous peoples. We need trans folks, cisgender folks, gay folks, bisexual folks. We need uh, people from all walks of life. We need all oppressed peoples to begin culminating in themselves political power, political organizations, which are set on the goal of overthrowing the dominant ideology, not just through means of ideological struggle, but through armed struggle, through revolutionary struggle, which aims not at just defeating the ideology in the minds of people, but defeating the material reality, which allows the ideology to even be cultivated. 
We must be overthrow. We must be working towards overthrowing the ruling class. We must be working towards destroying capitalism. And this is the only way that we can expect that all of the problems that we're facing, where black folks, brown folks, indigenous folks, immigrants, trans folks, gay folks, straight folks, are all individually exploited in different ways, we have to recognize at the core of that exploitation that we are the ones being exploited. Those of us who are separating ourselves with hatred, with acts of violence against one another, by supporting the dominant ideology that tells us that we are different, that tells us some are better than others, that tells us that our freedoms, our chance at life are threatened by those around us, instead of realizing that in fact our chance at a future, our hope for a world that is based not on the oppression of the working class or of the oppression of different folks who look different than the ruling class based solely on that, which, God, side note, if you're racist, right, and, and, and you don't question that and you don't examine that and you don't realize that you literally hate someone, you hate someone to your core based simply on their appearance, how idiotic and irrational that is, right? But here's the thing, is it's idiotic and irrational in the same way that capitalism is idiotic and irrational, and that is to us, to the exploited people, these things are idiotic and rational. But racism was incredibly rational in a society who exploited the labor, land, resources, and livelihoods of black and brown people. Racism was and is incredibly rational in that way because it allows that system to continue. Sexism is incredibly rational in a patriar uh, patriarchal system because it allows for men to continue dominating women, trans, and femme folks' bodies, right? This is just the reality we live in. And so therefore, when we try to battle these individual fights, when we try to look at the society and say, well, listen, first we need to take down, um, we need to take down white supremacy, then we need to go after patriarchy, and then we need to go after capitalism. We are recognizing that patriarchy, racism, and things of that nature developed in not a vacuum, but directly connected to the material base of the society we live in. One where the capitalist accumulation of wealth based on the exploitation of the working class created empires so strong and so capable of dominating the world that they have created a reality or a quote unquote reality, which has convinced us, the exploited people, that we are just damned to exploitation, that we are just cursed and this position will never change, that the earth is just going to die and there's nothing we can do about it because look at how powerful they are. We have to be meeting people and we have to be recognizing that we are all oppressed, that we are all oppressed in different ways, that we are all exploited in different ways. And we cannot forget a single person's struggle. We cannot write off one black person who is uh, talking about the racism that they are suffering in, in their uh, community right now. We cannot write off the indigenous people's struggle because it does not fit in to the way that we want to do a socialist revolution. We, do, we cannot write off the women's question. We cannot write off the agrarian question. 
for the purpose of eliminating uh, the ruling class in a way which meets our standards. Because guess what? That does not make us any better than them. The working class cannot simply lay hold of the ready-made state machinery and wield it for its own. And the ideology which that state, that system has created, if we do that, if we simply try to capture state power, say uh, women in order to uh, take over from men or black and brown folks in order to take over from white folks or indigenous people to take over from settlers, at that base, we have to correct the issues which tell us that indigenous people, black people, brown people, white people, immigrants, uh, different groups of people, different ethnicities are inherently on a, a scale and some are greater or better than others. We have to erase that. We have to recognize that racism is a ideology which was used in order to continue capitalist exploitation. There is absolutely no reason why we should believe that black people are better than white people or white people are better than black people. We are all human beings. We all have incredible uh, uh, pasts. We have uh, cultures which we cannot ignore. Um, and we have a reality which tells us that the exploitation and the oppression that exists today is continued and the flame is fanned by our hatred for one another. We have to fight racism. We have to fight sexism. We have to fight transphobia. We have to fight homophobia. We have to fight all forms of oppression. But the only way that we can actually do that is by putting ourselves in a position of power which allows us to break down the societal structures which continue these versions of oppression today. We have to capture state power. We have to take over from the working class. We have to defeat capitalism. And on the way to doing so, we have to fight and combat every other struggle that exists. We cannot ignore a single person's suffering. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you don't mind, please go ahead and follow my social medias. That's Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook at In Defense of Liberation. You can also reach out to me at indefenseofliberation at gmail.com. And you can also find my blog at forliberation.wixsite.com forward slash website. Uh, there are no caps and no spaces. Um, I hope you folks enjoyed the show. Remember that revolution is uh, powerful. Revolution is possible. And revolution is found in the working people who organize themselves into a political power, into a political organization, not simply for electoral politics, not politics in the sense of um, uh, ruling class politics, but politics in the sake of power, overthrowing the dominant ruling class, defeating all their forms of oppression, erasing their ideological hegemony, and start building a future for the people, by the people, of the people. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Stay revolutionary, folks.